morning, welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being here and being part of today. I'm Paul, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is terrific to see you. Thank you for uh, spending your sat Sunday morning um, here with us, and um, um, there's nothing to do at home. 49er season's shot, so we might as well just uh, come to church, right? Hey, um, um, one of the cool things that uh, uh, happens here is uh, people connect with God through Jesus Christ, and that happens all the time here, and whenever we hear about it and find out about it, um, we have a, a white rosebud that always signifies that somebody has accepted Jesus as your Savior, and that happened this week, and she's right here. Go ahead and stand up. Uh, so. Really, really, really cool stuff, so uh, thank you for, for standing up and uh, letting me embarrass you the way I did. Hey, um, one of the things that we do as a church family um, is uh, stand in solidarity and unity with those Christians around the world, um, particularly those who are being persecuted. Um, people around the world, as you know, cannot do what we're doing right now. Um, they don't have buildings because it's illegal. Um, the Christianity or their faith is not allowed, and so if they meet, it's um, in homes, secreted away, or out in open fields. That way they can see the authorities when they come. And expressions of their faith are, are oftentimes um, um, disallowed completely. And so what we do is we, every month, we uh, have a group of people, and you're invited to be part of that group of people, obviously, to pray specifically for the persecuted church, those brothers and sisters around the world. And one thing we do do here on Sunday morning on all those times is we would take time to pray for them as well. Um, I have a calendar, and it's got kind of what to pray for each day for the persecuted church. And the picture for this month's group is, is this one right here. Um, as, as you look, this is a baptism that uh, took place in uh, Pakistan. Um, I'm not sure when, and I'm not sure who. The two gentlemen on either side of the one in the middle were the baptizers, and the one guy in the middle was the one that just got baptized. And, and as you notice, as you look closely, you'll see that the faces are blurred out. Okay, you know why, don't you? It's because should this calendar get to Pakistan and these men would be identified, there would be repercussions against them. And so um, I was looking at them. I said, well, I can't see their face. But then I looked in the middle at the middle gentleman, the one who just got baptized, and I, I said, well, I don't know that face. I know that smile. I know that smile. That's the same smile that... It comes on the face of everybody that I've ever baptized, okay? It's that smile of, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. This is now my new life in Him, and I'm excited about that. We don't know Him, but we, we know His smile and the joy He has. Um, the, the, the calendar would ask us to pray for Pakistan, pray for the new believers who seek baptism, even though it's a dangerous public statement. Can you imagine that? We just go to Sam's Chowder House down to the water down below and we just baptize and you get dirty, you know, and you come out and it's not, well, that's the danger there, but, but that's, that's it. For there, it's a dangerous public statement. And so we are going to take a moment and we're going to pray for the persecuted church, okay? Father, thank you that we have this freedom to worship. Um, help us never to take that for granted. And Father, sometimes when we have this kind of a freedom, it just becomes too easy and too simple, and um, we don't think about it. There are brothers and sisters right now around the world that are meeting secretly and singing those songs that we sang quietly because they don't want others to hear. But you hear them, and you hear their voices in their hearts. I pray for the persecuted church would just flourish and thrive around the world. 
um, they would grow not not just in spite of persecution, but because of it, that they would become strong in their faith and sharing it. Um, Father, for this brother, that we see his smile, we see um, the joy he has. Wherever he is right now, we lift him to you, and may he grow in his faith and be strong. And So, Father, make your church grow throughout this world. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you for that. We are um, um, going to finishing finishing up our series called "Hiding from Love." We've been talking about it for the last few weeks, and and we asked, "Well, what in the world is hiding from love?" And hiding from love is when I when I really cut myself off from those emotional attachments that God would want for me that are part of the life that He would want. They are cutting ourselves off from those attachments that God truly wants for us to have a fulfilling life, a healthy, a productive life. All those kinds of things come from emotional attachments, and we cut ourselves off when we hide from love. Now, now, people that hide from love are not just simply hermits that live in caves. I mean, those people really are people that are hiding from love when you live in caves, or sit in the back of class, or are the loners. But really, people that hide from love are all over the place, and, and really all over this room. All of us, to some degree, and to some extent, hide from love. We All of us do, at some point in time. That's just simply part of, of life. And sometimes we hide from love by being the life of the party or, or, or being really, really popular. We have learned all kinds of different ways that we can hide from love. We are, and, and just as I was thinking about this, I just began to think through how massively complicated and complex we are as people. You know, all the stuff that goes on inside this gray matter here, how complex and complicated it is. Sometimes I will share stories up here about my life, and, 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 and the comment I get is, wow, it's so good to have such a transparent pastor. You know, you'll say that. I appreciate you, you saying that. But you've got to understand the complexity of all this. The problem is, is that I share what I choose to share to make me look what? Transparent. Do you understand that? Do you understand how whacked I am? You know, I will share those things that will make me look transparent, but I'm not going to share everything. Why? Because I, like you, still hide from love. And so what I do is, is I make you think I have it all together when I really don't have it all together any more than anybody else. I've just simply learned how to make it look like what? I have it all, all, all together. See how complicated we are in all this thing? And, and, and man, we just simply continue to do that all again and again and again and again. I am just like you. We all hide to some degree. Um, hiding is when we have that feeling that nobody really knows me because if they really knew me, they would not like me or even love me ever. And so we hide, we project, we put on these different senses of who we are, these different personas, or we just simply stop revealing. And, 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 and I've wanted to share all along that this is not just simply some psychologic, psychology today stuff. This is stuff that's rooted and, and grounded deeply in Scripture. Earliest part of the Bible, the Lord God said it's not good for the man to be alone. Now, now, God knows everything and knew that he was making man alone in the garden. He knew that. I mean, he knew that. Why would God make something half done, half finished? I mean, I mean, God even brought animals to Adam to show Adam, look, you have all these things to choose from for companions. So the man gave names to all the livestock, birds of the air, all the beasts of the field. 
But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I mean, I mean, you just think about everything that Adam had. He, he had all the animals that were there, you know. He even had a Labrador retriever, you know, which is the most friendly animal in all of creation. You've seen them, you know. And their tails are just wagging all over the place. He even had a lab, you know, he even had a lab. But still, God said what? It's not good for man to be alone. And then God said, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Okay? Even God's presence with Adam was not enough, which kind of blows my brain on this one. So don't ever say, well, I've got God, and that's enough. God said, even with my presence, I've created you to connect with people. And so Eve comes into this little playground called Earth, and they were naked and not ashamed, you know, complete openness and transparency and nakedness, you know, that's still part of it. And they sinned. They messed up. They tried to take control of their lives, which is what sin is. And what happened is everything began to fall apart, and they hid from God, and they covered from each other. They hid from God, covered from each other, and we do that all the time. Okay, hide from God, cover from each other. Hide from God, cover from each other. Or we cover ourselves from God and we hide from each other. Those kinds of things happen all the time. And, and, and when God said, God comes down and he said, what have you done? You know, what have you done? What have you done? Listen to Adam's response. It was the woman that you gave me. You know, you, you hear that? You know, he's pointing at everybody but who? Himself. It was the woman, you know, that, that you gave me. He blames a woman. He blames God. Now, Eve is hurt. And hurt people do what? They hurt people. Okay? And the hurt is going to keep going on down the line. And here we are, man, lots of years and lots of generations later of hurt people hurting people who hurting people who hurting people. And that's why I'm not convinced that humanity, in fact, I'm completely convinced we're not evolving. We're not evolving. We're what? We're devolving. Okay, we just know how to play games more better than everybody else. We know how to hide better than anybody. So Jeremiah, the question in Jeremiah is, the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, who can understand it? Yeah, sins we've done, sins others have done. But the question is, who can understand it? One person can, and that's God. God can understand the human heart. And what we see is in Scripture, if hiding and covering come from sin, then openness, transparency come from forgiveness and love. And the rest of the Bible, starting from Genesis 3, is all about forgiveness and love. Isn't that crazy? The first like three chapters of the Bible are about how this, sin, this, how this problem happened, and the rest of the Bible is all about how God fixed it. And that involves Jesus Christ, and that involves other people in our lives. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. The sin is now gone. And that's why Jesus is such a big deal around here. And then Jesus' prayer was, as far as each other goes, all of them, that they all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and, I'm, and I am in you. And, and so we, we're going to ask the question, and this is kind of as we, as we wrap this whole thing up, how are, do we help those that are in hiding? Because if we're called to be one, we have to then begin to help those people that are in hiding. Or the other side of the same coin, for those of us that are in hiding, how do we find people that can help us? Okay? Follow that? So it's, it's the same coin, two sides. And so we're going to be kind of looking at both of those as we go through it. If you're in hiding, what kind of people should I be looking for? Or how can I help those people if we're so broken? How can I help them that they're, they're in hiding?
Now, now before we get into to what the Bible says about this, I got to tell you, if you're the type of person who says, man, I can't wait to get out there and just rescue all those poor souls who are in hiding, guess what? You're the wrong person to do it, okay? You got your own set of issues, and please don't go out there and try and fix other people. You have what's called the rescuer complex, and that's a whole new hiding category on its own, and you probably need to find people to help you, okay? So don't do that. I was, I was, when I was in seminary, this one, this one was really nuts. Um, we'd have chapel, and, 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 and our chapel time in seminary was, was great, worship time, and then we'd have a speaker that would come. And that particular day, we had chapel, and I happened to be sitting by myself, you know, just sitting alone by myself, and I was collecting my thoughts, and, 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 and I was there. And, and this guy comes up to me, you know, and, and I just bar- kind of barely knew him. And I was sitting by myself, and, 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 and um, um, kind of quiet, getting my, and he comes up to me, and he sees me all alone, and he says, um, Paul, how are you doing? You know, you know that, that that how are you doing? And you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing fine. And then he said, "Really? How are you doing?" <laughs> you know, you know that kind of person. You know, it's like ah, good. I said, "Good, fine, everything's good." You know, just kind of waiting for, you know, chapel to, to, to start right here. And then he goes and Paul, you can you can talk to me. How are you really doing? And really, I wanted to say, well, a moment ago, I was doing fine. (laughs) And I can't tell you how I'm doing because this is a biblical place, and I don't have the words for it to tell you how I'm doing now with you. If you can't wait to get out there and fix people, don't. Don't. Don't fix people at all. Okay? Don't. Um, Please. God will put you in those positions. Um as God brings them to you, as you grow in your faith, God will bring them into your life. But here you go. Here's, here's, here's how, okay? Both sides of the coin. See people in a different way, okay? See people in a different way. Or find someone who can see you in a different way or see you who you really are or who God wants you to be. Um, the Bible I'm talking about our life says this. I love, I love this passage. It says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, okay? I'm stopped I'm going to stop evaluating people or others from a human point of view. Now, how do we normally view people? How do you normally view people? Yeah, annoyance in the way, you know, problem. Just think about this. You're driving up 92, okay, and then all of a sudden that BMW comes up right behind you and tailgates you, okay? It's always a BMW, okay? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's always a BMW. How do you view that person, you know? I know how you view them. You view them the same way I do. Or the person in the grocery store who has more than 15 items in the little cart, you know? How do you view that person? Or the guy that, that, that you see and you just can't wait to get home and, and so you can make fun of him later about that. We view people according to based on how they benefit or help us or they touch us or they touch our lives. They're just people. That's how we view them. And all of a sudden, the Bible says this. We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And God's saying, hey, look, you have to start looking at people a whole lot, whole lot differently. Not from a human point of view. Let's start seeing people from an eternal point of view. An eternal perspective. 
One of my favorite stories in, in all of Scripture is John chapter 9. And, and, and um, this is where the pattern of Jesus comes in on how Jesus viewed people. Just listen to this one. There's a guy who was begging, and he's in pretty bad shape. He was born blind, born blind, okay? Didn't go blind as a kid or younger. He, he was born blind. And it says this, Jesus was walking along. He saw a man who was, had been blind from birth. There he is, born blind, blind from birth. Listen to the disciples, their view of this guy in this situation. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? To the disciples, the guy's a what? He's a theological problem. Okay, there's a theological problem here that we want to answer. Is This guy is there who has just think, been, been blind from birth. He's begging. Okay, he's got a really challenging life back then. To the disciples, it's not the guy, it's the theological problem. All right? Jesus says this, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, now the rest of the story is Jesus ends up loving on this guy and, and heals him and his life becomes this great thing. You've got to read it for yourself. It's John chapter 9. But you understand, to Jesus, it was not a theological problem. Okay? It was not some guy in the way that they had to go around or had to figure out, how can I pretend like I don't have any loose change to give to this guy? You know, To Jesus, it was an opportunity for God's glory to work itself out. And if you can see every person that way, you're now, we're now beginning to grasp it. That every single person that you encounter is an opportunity to see the glory of God and the power of God worked out in that person's life. Every person. Every single person. Just think of that. Every single person you see, the guy that behind the counter in the grocery store, you know, there's a chance that the power of God can be worked out in his life, you know, and they can learn how to count, you know, that kind of things. Or, or that guy in the BMW that's right behind me, you know, when he finally does get into an accident, even though his car's totaled, he can walk away unhurt. The power of God, you know, right, right there in, in his life. Remember um, um, the woman at, at the well in John chapter 4? Read that story too. People saw the town tramp. You know, he's, they saw the town trash. Jesus saw someone who needed freeing from a loveless life. The power of God might be revealed in her life. And, and if you're hiding from love, you need somebody that can believe that the power of God can be worked out in your life. Not make you into a special project, but just be amazed at who you are and what God can do in you and, and through you. Remember, hiding patterns were put in position by our souls a long time ago. A long time ago. They're there for a reason, and they exist because there was and is an injury to protect. Okay? They're not bad people. We're not bad people with hiding patterns. There was an injury to protect, and there is an injury we're still trying to protect. So see in me the ability to be something more than that, that the power of God can work through and heal. Second thing. Second thing. Create confessional relationships or find confessional relationships for your life. Now, I'm taking this from James chapter 5 in the Bible where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Maybe healed, okay? The healing. Now, the healing comes from past sins and past issues going on here. And, and, and confession means that we allow others to see the part of us that's hidden. That's what confession is, okay? Confess means I'm opening up my life so you can now begin to see the part that's been hidden in your life, the stuff that I'm afraid of, the stuff 
that, that I hate, stuff I'm ashamed of. That's, that's what confession is. It's opening things up. And, and, and here's a principle. If you want to write this down, that's fine too. Whatever is unconfessed is always beyond the reach of healing. Okay? In your life, follow that? Whatever is unconfessed is always beyond the reach of healing. That's true before God, by the way. That's why it says, confess your sins. And faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all, what? Unrighteousness. Okay? We confess it because whatever is unconfessed is beyond the reach of anybody being able to heal you or help you in that. And so it's exposing those things that we fear are beyond being loved. And, that, and that's why we hide. It's because if I show myself to you, I'm afraid that what I'm showing myself to you is beyond being loved. It's beyond being loved. And so I, mean, I have friends in the recovery movement, and I think really healthy people, and what they'll say is, is this. You're only, some of you can fill us in, you're only as sick as your what? You're only as sick as your secrets. You are only as sick as your secrets because they can't be dealt, be dealt with. And so we are called to, to create what I'm going to call confessional relationships. Not, don't, don't think of you as you're going back that somebody has to sit in a booth you know, and you have to go talk to them anonymously or all that kind of stuff. We're talking about face-to-face, person-to-person, or even in a, in a group to say, this is just who I am. And all of a sudden, you can see the expression of love and acceptance come back at you from somebody. Confessional relationships really help me know that I matter to you or my imperfections don't push you away or, or that you'll never use what I share in brokenness to hurt me. And that's what happens a lot of times in, in, in I'll do like marital counseling and people are afraid to open up because they're afraid at some point in time what they have shared that's out there will come back around and hurt them, that they'll use it against them at some point in time. Well, I remember you told me that you did this or this or this or this. Wow. And all of a sudden you hear that, you're going to now hide yourself always from love. I need to know in a confessional relationship that you won't leave me no matter what I share. And I need to know that I'm, I need to know from you that even though I will still hide from you, because as I'm learning how to come out of myself, I still need you in my life. I will still hide. And I'll sometimes come out, but I'll, I'll move back. Next one. Last one. Balance grace, truth, and time. Okay? Or find people or someone who can help balance grace, truth, and time. Those are the three ingredients for growth. All three of them are needed. Grace is kindness and forgiveness. Understanding the amount of pain and the problems that this person's working through. I mean, you, you, you have to understand that, that the reason that we have these hiding patterns is because somebody violated our souls. I mean, our souls were hurt. And, and somebody hurt our ability to trust. And so there needs to be grace involved in this. Great verse, God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paraphrase that, apply it to ourselves, that while I'm still hiding, you will still love me. Grace. Second is truth. Truth is not just simply listening and loving, but it's also sharing the reality of the situation back to the person and the challenges that, that are involved in that. And, and, and this is going to sound a little harsh, a little, a little, little cruel, but it's, it's true. Hiding from love actually has a little element of selfishness in it. 
when you think this through, it, it, it works itself in your head. If you're hiding from love, there's a little bit of selfishness in this. It's understandable, and it's protective, I get it, but in a relationship of grace and truth, at some point in time, you need to tell me if I'm still hiding from you, you love yourself so much that you protect yourself and other people suffer. Because that's really what happens when you're hiding from love. Other people suffer. And someone needs to tell me, okay, you need to start working on these kinds of things. I'll help you. I'll be there with you. But you have to understand your wife or your kids or people around you are suffering because you are hiding from love. From that. They're getting hurt because of this. Or I need to hear you feel sorry for yourself as if no one has been hurt as much as you are. So let's begin to find healing and move out of that. And the third, of course, is time. It always takes time. Okay, you didn't learn those patterns in just an instant. They were developed over time, and it's going to take time for the defenses to kind of come down. It's gonna, you're going to come out, a person's going to come out, and they're going to hide again, and they're going to come out a little bit farther and hide again. I was, thinking, I was thinking about that, you know, when we were kids, we used to go camping, and there were chipmunks around, you know, chipmunks, you know, those little things that run around and all that kind of stuff. And for some reason, we probably got this from cartoons. We took a box with a stick and a string. You know, you ever done that stuff? And peanuts, box, again, cartoon, we're going to, what? Catch a chipmunk. And so we'd be there and we'd unroll the string, we'd hide behind the bushes and, and we'd watch the chipmunk come out, go back, you know, come out a little bit farther, you know, go back, you know, a little bit farther, a little bit farther, because it's smelling the peanuts, you know, it goes and bolts that. And finally, it goes far enough where it trusts the whole situation where it'll sit there and begin to eat, to, to eat the peanuts. It takes what? It takes, it takes time. Then I guess the moment of truth comes when we pulled the string and the whole box came down on that one and caught the poor thing. And so now my whole illustration's all messed up. But <laughs> understand we had grace to let it go. But get in your mind, okay? Get in your mind the coming out, going back, coming out, going back, coming out, going back. I, I mean, I want you to know that we're all in this hiding thing together, okay? Every single one of us does it. That's not an excuse. And if we just simply say it's an excuse and I'm going to stay that way, every relationship will suffer and we cannot be that place Jesus prayed for that we will be one. Just, he would say, fathers, you and I are one. I remember when my kids were born, um, um, one of the things I did, you know, kind of in the hospital, you hold on the kid. And one of the things you look at, I always looked at, all three of my kids looked at, were their knees. I don't know why I looked at their knees. But I looked at their knees. And you look at a, 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 a tiny infant newborn's knees, they're what? They're perfect. They're perfect. They're smooth. There's no mark on them. I mean, you look at an old guy. My knees, my knees are all just beat up and scarred and all that kind of stuff. But you look at, you look at a baby's knees, and they're perfect. And as I was sitting there, just kind of holding this thing, looking at, the, looking at the, not this thing, this child, this precious child. <laughs> I thought, man, these smooth little knees, you know, at some point in time, they're going to take us fall on the playground, get all scratched up. There's going to be sliding in at home plate. They're going to get beat up. They're going to fall off a bicycle. They will go through life, and they will all end up with what? Scarred knees. Mm -hmm. And when we were little kids, understand, every single one of us, someone hurt our ability to trust. And someone wasn't there for us. Someone was unstable as a love object. Someone violated our souls and destroyed trust. And so we did what? 
we hid. God understands that, and, and we really do understand that here as well. And, and you are called to be a safe person. You are called to be that. You are called to become a safe person, okay? To get healthy enough so that you can become safe and understand there are others that need to come out of hiding, and you might be the only person on this whole planet to help them do that. And so you have to allow them grace. You have to give them truth and time. We're called to become safe people, to speak the truth in love, to love, to accept. We're called to do that so that their defenses now become unnecessary and they can walk in and they can say, I feel safe here. This is a great verse. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Don't say your problems are your problems. I'm not. That's not what the Bible's into. The Bible's into saying, look, if they have a burden, you're called to what? Called to carry it. And guess what? Somebody is going to be in your life, and you're going to need them to do what for your burden? To carry it. And that's what makes us what everything Jesus dreamed us to be. You might be here um, this morning, and you're saying, well, I've been hiding a lot from love. And I would say, all of us have, welcome to the club. I mean, we all do, okay? We all do. But you might be saying, I need help with this one. A lot of times a life group will help. That will help greatly with that. A healthy life group in which there are people there that talk about what's really going on in their lives. You might say, my family was so screwed up, I've, I've blown that chance. This is why Jesus would call this the family of God. This is your secondary family, Okay. And I would encourage you to not stay where you are, not stay where you are. And for those of you, you're saying, well, who am I that I could help anybody else? Open your life up to Christ and say, Jesus, you help me. Bring somebody into my life if need be so that I can, I can fulfill the law of Christ and bear somebody's burden. Would you take a moment and pray with me, please? Um, God, you just, you just know brokenness within us and, and you're involved in this world to heal it up and to make us stronger, better. I pray, I pray for the relationships, the marriages where there is hiding. There would be breakthroughs, openness. That those who are just in stuck spaces would find people around them or go to a counselor just to say we're, we're stuck. We don't want to be this way anymore. We want to be different. Individuals, Father, that maybe are just too frightened to open up, that they'd open up just a little bit, share just a little bit that you bring somebody into their life where they could begin to say, this, this is who I really am. Can you love me? And God, I pray that you'd protect make that statement a, a holy statement and the response would be just as holy. Yeah, I love you just as you are. So Father, we now be going out into a world that's kind of broken and busted, just like we are. Help us to be instruments of your peace, please. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you for being part of today. Um, we're going to start a whole new series uh, next weekend called Better. 
and I will tell you what better is all about next weekend when you come and bring somebody. So um, this is a great way to help people find God is to invite them to church or invite them to a place like this or just simply share with them, you know what I learned today or you know what God's been speaking to me about? You don't have to call them in here to hear, have them hear about God. You can actually do that on your own. It actually works too as well. Um, we're going to pass around the offering buckets in just a second and we are going to encourage you to put stuff in. If you are a guest, don't worry about that at all. But thank you, those of you that do give. It does go for some great works and things that are happening all the time as proof right there. Okay, things happen when you give like that. So we're going to invite you to stand. God bless you guys. Love you. Make sure you get a parking pass. Have a great week in Christ. Enjoy the day. Thank you. Mm-hmm.